Good morning. Today is Monday, August 30th, 2021. Hayom Kulchem. Our Parsha this Shabbos begins where Moshe is at the end of the 40 years in the desert. He is giving his last speeches to the Jewish people before he is going to pass away. Yehoshua is going to succeed him and they are going to enter the land of Israel just days before that's going to happen. And he says to them, see that you are standing here today, all of you before God. And you will enter into the covenant with God that Hashem, your God, will establish with you today. Hold on a minute. What do you mean? Today, God is going to establish a covenant with the Jewish people. It's the end of the 40 years in the desert. They've established this covenant for years. They met at Sinai. The God forgave the, the golden calf. So many times the Torah said, this is the covenant, the relationship. We already have it. What do we need? A new covenant, a new relationship at the end of the 40 years in the desert, just as the Jews are about to enter the land of Israel. Our rabbis explain that, in fact, there is something new that is happening with this covenant, with this relationship between God and the Jewish people when they enter the land of Israel. It will start a new era, but it will also start a new set of ground rules that did not exist before. And this is actually the source of one of the most magnificent concepts in all of Judaism. It's one of the most important contributions that Judaism has made to the world. It's one of the most important qualities or characteristics of the Jewish people. And it is expressed in the very famous phrase, Kal Yisrael, Arevim ze lozeh. Every Jew is responsible, is a guarantor, one for the other. We refer to this concept as arvus or arvut, meaning responsible, one for another. This is the source. Because what our rabbis explain is that this verse means to say, God is actually saying something very, very substantive. A new point that was not there before. Up until now, the relationship that God had with the Jewish people, each person is responsible for themselves. Once we enter into the land of Israel, there is a bris, a covenant of arvus, of responsibility, one for the other. Let me describe what this concept actually means. It is something that is practiced throughout the Jewish world, again, one of the greatest, beautiful characteristics of what it means to be part of the Jewish people. Widely quoted, but let's try to understand it first in a technical sense and then in a bit of a wider sense. So I can explain it most easily in the way that Rav Aaron Lichtenstein explains it, using a technical halachic subject that I think will convey this idea. 
We have a general principle in Jewish law that we try not to use God's name unless it's absolutely necessary. We use the word God, which is an English word. We use the word Hashem, which means to refer to God. But to use God's actual name, we only use it in prayer or reading from the Torah. To use God's name unnecessarily is seen as a very serious sin, and we try very hard not to do that. In fact, so hard that we do not recite a blessing unless we are certain that we are required to recite the blessing. Let's say I already recited a certain blessing. I'm not allowed to repeat it because repeating it is unnecessary. And that means saying God's name unnecessarily. And that's a very serious problem. So let me ask you a question. There is a practice that many of us are familiar with. It goes like this. Let's say I have an obligation to make a certain blessing. I'll give an example to recite Kiddush on Shabbos. It's a mitzvah to say Kiddush and it includes Hashem's name in the text. So I have an obligation to hear Kiddush so I can say it or I can listen to someone else say it. But let's say I already said it once. And now I want to repeat it for you. You're going to listen to what I say. You're going to answer Amen. And you are going to fulfill your obligation by answering Amen to my bracha. But wait a second. I already said this bracha for myself. How can I be allowed to repeat it for you. It's unnecessary for me. You you have to say it yourself. And if you don't know how to say it yourself, uh, you're in big trouble. I don't know what you're going to do. But how can I repeat it if I'm not allowed to say God's name unnecessarily? This is a principle in Jewish law called Yatza Motze. If I have fulfilled my obligation for a certain blessing, I am still able to repeat it in order for you to hear it and answer amen and fulfill your obligation thereby. So if I was, let's just say, at shul, and I made kiddush at shul, which is very important, and I ate something at shul, and then I come home to my family, let's say my family's at home, and I want to repeat kiddush for my family, I'm allowed to do that. Because even though I fulfilled my obligation, I'm allowed to repeat the blessing in order to fulfill the obligation for someone else. I'll give you another example that may be very relevant. On Rosh Hashanah, there's a mitzvah to blow the shofar. And there's a mitzvah to say a blessing, a bracha, before blowing the shofar. So, of course, if I'm in shul and I listen to the shofar being blown, I listen to the person who's making the bracha, great, I answer amen. It's as if I made the bracha. We're all good. But wait a second. After shul, I'm going to walk to someone's house who was not able to come to shul. I'm going to blow shofar for them. But I'm going to say the bracha again. How can I do that? I've already said the bracha for myself. The answer is this concept, yatza motze. Even though I already fulfilled my obligation, I'm allowed to repeat it, even though it includes repeating God's name, which ordinarily would be a terrible sin. I'm allowed to repeat it in order for you to be able to hear it.
Why? How, what is, how does that work? What's the basis of that? Explains the Rosh, one of the great medieval commentators. Call Yisrael Arevim Zelazeh. Every Jew is responsible one for the other. You know what that means? Explains Ravarin Soloveitchik, Ravarin, Ravarin Lichtenstein, excuse me. It means I have an obligation to blow shofar on Rosh Hashanah. As long as there is a Jew anywhere in the world who has not heard the shofar yet on Rosh Hashanah, I have not fulfilled my obligation. I haven't finished my responsibility because I'm responsible not just that I should hear the shofar. Call Yisrael a Ravenzel as that means I'm responsible that every single Jew in the world, of course, uh, I'm just one person and I'm limited and I have uh, not so much strength, so I'm not going to be able to reach every single Jew in the world. Okay, that's my own shortcoming. But my obligation is to make sure that every Jew in the world has the opportunity to hear the shofar. So I'm allowed to make the bracha for myself. As long as I have not fulfilled my obligation, I can make the bracha. Here's what Kal Yisrael Revim Zelazem means. As long as there's a Jew anywhere who has not heard the shofar, I have not fulfilled my obligation. So as many times as I repeat it, I'm still repeating it for myself. I'm not repeating it for someone else. The truth is, this was also expressed very beautifully by Martin Luther King. He said, as long as there is poverty in the world, I can never be rich, even if I have a million dollars. I can never be what I ought to be until you are what you ought to be. That's the concept of Kol Yisrael Arevim Zelazeh. Now, the truth is, it also has a very serious consequence. So this is a story that the Talmud tells about when the Jewish people entered the land of Israel. And this principle comes into effect, but it comes into effect with serious consequences. After the Torah is completed, Moshe passes away. Yehoshua is the successor. Yehoshua leads the Jewish people, in, crosses the Jordan River, the Yardane, into the land of Israel. The first city they encounter, this is in the book of Yehoshua, the book of Joshua, the first city they encounter is the city of Yericho, Jericho. And we all know the famous story. There was a miracle that happened. They walked around the city seven days, seven times. On the seventh day, they walked around seven times and blew the shofar and the walls fell down and the city was miraculously conquered. There were no casualties on the Jews, Jewish side. Miraculously conquered. That's what they expected. God said, I'm taking you into the land of Israel. You're going to conquer it. It's going to be okay. They had God's promise. It happened. A miracle. It happened. Everything was fine. That's what they expected to happen. Then they came to the second city. The second town that they came to was a town near Yericho called Ai. Ai and Yud. Ai. They had a battle to conquer Ai. At that battle, there were a few Jewish soldiers who were killed. 
Yehoshua was distraught. How could that happen? Yericho, Jericho, it's supposed to be a miracle. We're not supposed to have any casualties. None, no Jewish soldiers are supposed to be killed. It's supposed to be done by God. How is it possible? Yes, of course, we were victorious. Okay. But, but there were casualties. How is that possible? He couldn't understand. So God appeared to Yehoshua in a nevuah, in a prophecy. And God said to Yehoshua, Chata Yisrael, the Jewish people sinned. The Jewish people sin? The promise of a miraculous conquering of the land of Israel is not going to happen without casualties. The Jewish people were not blameless. Very harsh. What was the sin? What did the Jewish people do so bad that all of a sudden God changes from it's a miracle, you're going to go in, I'm giving it to you, nothing's going to happen to there are going to be casualties, people are going to be killed in battle. What did the Jewish people do so bad? Here's where it gets frightening. The Talmud tells the story. There was a man. His name was Ochan. Now God had given a command and Yehoshua had relayed this command to the soldiers that when they went in battle, they were to conquer, but they were not to take any spoils. And every single soldier listened to that. Not a single soldier violated God's command, except for one, Achan. Achan, he took a couple of goblets, he took a few coins, he didn't listen. Chata Yisrael, God says the Jewish people sinned. Not just Achan, they all sinned. Because, why? Why are you blaming the entire Jewish people for the sin of one individual called Yisrael Arevim Zelazer? If you see another Jew sinning and you don't do whatever you could possibly do to try to prevent that from happening, you're responsible. Call Yisrael Arevim Zelazer. It is, on the one hand, a nice, beautiful, expression of warmth and unity but it's also serious business it also means we're accountable one for the other okay but just as it is serious business in the negative it's also serious business in the positive because that means that every mitzvah that is done by any Jew anywhere is a mitzvah for all of us. It means that every single one of us has the ability, the potential to enhance and improve and make better every single Jew just by what I do privately, personally. My act of tzedakah means the entire Jewish people is more holy. 
Your act of observing Shabbos means the entire Jewish people is holy. Call Yisrael a raven The term arev is also a legal term, a guarantor, and it's used in a legal manner in the Talmud and Jewish law as well, one who guarantees a loan for another. So, for example, let's say Ruvain wants to borrow money from Shimon, but Ruvain doesn't have assets of his own. He doesn't have collateral. Shimon is worried. I'm not so sure I'm going to lend the money to this person, Ruvain. What happens if he can't pay me back? What Ruvain might be able to do is to find an arave, a guarantor. Let's say his name is Yehuda. And Yehuda says, I will be responsible for the loan. If for any reason Ruvain can't pay it back, I'll pay it back. Then Shimon's going to be happy to lend the money. It's a very big mitzvah to be an arev. But listen to what the book of Proverbs says. Mishle, Shlomo HaMelech, King Solomon, wrote the book of Proverbs. And he says about an arev, one who guarantees someone else's loan, that's a person who is Adam Chasar Lev, a person who's not so smart, a person who is lacking in judgment. I hesitate to use the phrase, but a person who's a fool. Because from an economic point of view, to be an arev is foolish. From an economic point of view, it's one thing to invest money with a risk to losing it, but there's a chance to gain a profit. But an arev is risking losing money, but he will never profit. The best that can happen is he ends up even, neutral. But he's at risk to losing, and he will get no profit. Adam chasar lev. Such a person, from an economic point of view, is foolish. That's a foolish thing for a person to do. But we're family. And that's love beyond economic interest. That is kol Yisrael arevim zelazeh. That is a level of caring that goes beyond economic investor interest. We are guarantors for each other. Even if we don't profit financially, but we can enhance each other in every other way. And it's very important to remember the words of Rabbi Yisrael Salanter. When we talk about worrying about our fellow and being responsible for our fellow, it's in every single way. But Rabbi Yisrael Salanter said, a pious Jew is not one who worries about his fellow man's soul and his own stomach. A pious Jew worries about his own soul and his fellow man's stomach. That should be our priority. And it comes from our Parsha, Kol Yisrael, Arevim Zelazeh. Every Jew is responsible for every other. My friends, I want to wish you a wonderful day. And I look forward 
to seeing all of you soon in person.